All right, welcome back for another episode of Talks to Tatiana. And today I have Judy Winslow. Judy, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me, Tatiana. I'm glad to be here. Awesome. Judy, so tell us a little bit about, about who you are and what you do. So who I are. It's very funny because I, I was uh, listening to a podcast the other day and somebody asked this question and the person answered it in a fashion that like I thought, gosh, I never would have answered it like that. Because when I think of when people ask me that, I always think about, well, I'm, you know, I'm a bit quirky and I'm a, a dog mommy and I'm obsessed with business and I love personal development. And so I don't know if I would answer it the same way as other people, but there you go. Awesome. Oh, thanks so much. Uh, so tell, tell me a little bit about your entrepreneurial journey. Um, mm -hmm. On this podcast, I typically provide um, listeners with uh, some actionable steps or just information or quick tips or something that's really useful and supportive of them. But I also like to share people's journeys because I think entre every entrepreneur's journey is different um, and has different lessons that we can learn from. So why don't you um, share what your entrepreneurial journey was like and go as deep as you wish. Hmm. Well, my very first business I started the year I turned, uh, well, my very, I call it my very first adult business, you know, that I wasn't like selling pretzels or something like in high school. But so my first adult business was the year I turned 30. I ended up pitching my boss at Women's Day magazine to go into business together and I'm not quite sure what even possessed me that I was so obsessed with this idea, especially uh, because she and I did not get along at all at first. And so it's kind of fascinating to me even now that we got to that place where I was like, where did I come up with that this was a good idea? But um, I think that's the first tip, which is when you have an inkling to follow it, because you never know what's going to happen. And that conversation kicked off this journey that I'm on, you know, 4,000 years later, since I am a baby dinosaur, um, that, you know, I never would have anticipated. So it's been very interesting. And um, yeah, so that's where it started was just like this crazy idea that we had these complementary talents. She was really great at more the systems part of working. And I was more the creative. Um, I started out in branding as a graphic designer. So I was very interested in um, pursuing and digging more deeply into how our world is affected by design. Like that's what got me fired up in the first place about design. And now here we are applying it to business. And then part two of that was that I was a suicidal teenager who was greatly, deeply, profoundly affected by my first personal development class, which I took just before I turned 30. I did it when I was 28. So I was moving into this completely new phase of my life where I saw possibility and, um, and embracing who I be as so valuable, which I did not possess prior. So that piece of personal development and how we lead our lives became super interesting to me. So weaving that all together is kind of what has occurred over time because we all kind of have these different elements that make us us. And that is a big part of your brand and your business strategy, in my opinion, because 
it takes away a lot of the stress. It alleviates some burnout, not all of it, but you know, it makes life so much better when you get to be you and you're infusing you into your daily activities. And Lord knows we spend a lot of time working. Yeah, absolutely. And so how, yeah, so that's a little bit. Uh, how, so that started at the age of 30, but what are the, what is the business that you've built and how did it evolve kind of Talk about like the different things that you've gone through over the years. Yeah, you know, it's so funny. I was just at, you know, we were all sort of doing holidays and I was at this little holiday shindig and I met this younger person. And I do work with people at university age because a lot of them are either pre-university, need to write essays to get into school, or while they're in school, I work with, I've worked with a lot of MBA students to figure out how to position themselves, their personal brand for work because we're always we're, we are our brand all the time and it's interesting because it's been such an evolution that I could never have anticipated so if someone had told me 30 years ago you know when you get older you're going to be living in Florida and teaching and training and doing strategic planning for brands i would say like are, are you high that just would never have occurred to me. So part of it is leaning into where you are and allowing it to unfold and take you to the next place. Because when I started, I had no grand vision other than I wanted to build a business with my ex-business partner that we did high-end, high-quality, high-impact work. So how that's expressed over the years has altered. And part of it also is where are you going to have the highest ROI? Where's the return for your energy financially and physically, emotionally? So how did your business evolve and how did you evolve over the years? Mm. Uh, what I'm more interested in is also like the, the actual um, journey of, the, of you as a business owner. What, would that, what was that like? Well, I think I'm still in it. I don't think you ever wrap that up, right? Because it's a constant process of learning and up-leveling. And that's really a big part of what I'm interested in and what kind of gets me excited. I mentioned that I'm very into personal development, which I still am today. So for me, um, it kind of, what happened was I was happily doing my graphic design. And in New York City, the way that we used to get work is, uh, and this, again, I don't even know where, I can't, come up with the origin of this. It's so long ago. But I came up with this idea that when we would go to a meeting, we would say, hey, what was your marketing budget last year? And they would, most people in that time, this is a million years ago, the average budget we worked with was about $250,000, which was a great little small business kind of niche. We also worked with some big, you know, Fortune 100s. But we would say, what was your budget last year? If we could show you how to get a higher ROI on that same budget, we're not asking you for any more money, would you be interested in it? And they would say, yes, of course. <laughs> and then we would take all that money and we would show them how to reallocate it for a greater impact. And that's how we got clients. So that started to shift me into this more strategic position, right? And then over the years, because I work and even in that capacity, we worked with business owners or like the VP of marketing, like the people at the top who were the lifeblood of the business. So I've always learned about the business from their passion, from their enthusiasm and from their point of view. And I love that so much that we never, we really never got into niche marketing because we found it to be so much fun to take principles that are used 
in the cosmetic world and bring that into the banking world or whatever. Like we loved that crossover of stuff and, and tactics and all the things. So um, that was always a big turn on for me. So part of it is that, like leaning into what turns you on and what gets you excited. And then because personal development is such a big deal for me, um, I've just continued to study, 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 study. I became officially a coach in like 03, I think I started school. And around 2000, I was in a pretty robust program. So it lasted like three or four years. But somebody said to me, you know, you should become a coach. And then when I started learning about coaching, it was like, oh, well, this is, this is how, how I've this is how I've interacted with my people since day one. Like, these are the kind of questions I've always asked. What's important to you? How would you like to be perceived? Now we call that values-based marketing. It didn't have that terminology then. It was just like goofball here saying, well, what do you get excited about? And what are words that you would use if you were to describe yourself? And, you know, what do you find important? And so we could create these visuals that were aligned with how you wanted to express yourself. So it's just, I think it's just like almost like a flower, right? It just keeps opening and opening and opening. And you never quite know when it's going to reach its peak. I hope I have not yet reached my peak. So yeah, it's a process. Does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. And I think peak is overrated. Just a couple of <laughs> months ago, uh, I, uh, I'm approaching 40, but um, I've never been worried about being 40 um until the summer and so i was talking to my coach and i voiced something like i want to get to my peak before i turn 40. <laughs> so we started digging into this concept of peak and before 40 and everything else and i just realized that it's really overrated honestly so we have these really fascinating expectations of ourselves so i was in this conversation with this young girl and she's like well how did you get to know to where you are now and i said it's just, you know, some people would call it accidental. I don't. I think it's extremely intentional, but it's also really taking the time. Like anybody that works with me, the very first step is we do an assessment because in, until we get really clear about where are we now, where's that little X, that pin on the map, and then where are we going? We, we just have no clarity about, most people really don't take the time to assess, like honestly assess and do the number crunching that goes along with it. So we don't, we think we know, but thinking we know and really knowing are actually different, you know? Absolutely. So, I mean, it's awesome when the assessment um, reinforces your belief, but oftentimes there are places that don't line up. So that's the yeah. first place we always start. And that's true for all of us, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. So t talk a little bit about, um, if you're comfortable with it, of course, um, you mentioned something about the ex-partner. Um, what I'm interested in knowing, and the reason I'm asking about this is I, um, I have a chapter in my book about partnering with people and uh, for business. And so I'm curious to know what your experience was like. Why did you start the business with a partner? And then um, why was it, why did it not work out? So how did you know? first I have to say that she's fabulous and she actually still runs that business today. So that business is ancient. No, it's been around. So she too, like think about any business that's been in business for over 30 years and all the evolution they've been through and all the different iterations and who you are now as a business owner than who you were 10, 20, three days ago, right? So we're all always changing and I don't think we acknowledge that. So there, you know, we... I come from a generation where the, my parents or grandparents were 
not only expected, but they actually just enjoyed being like this in the same box their whole working lives. And we don't do that anymore, right? We have all these different iterations. People have been pivoting during COVID. Like there's all these times to reimagine ourselves, whether that's because you move or because you physically are morphing into a new version of yourself. But yeah, so when I first started, and I am somebody who really enjoys collaboration. I really enjoy teamwork. And I really enjoy um, the synergy of creating in a team format. And having come from the graphic design world, many of us grew up in sort of a bullpen situation, if that makes sense to your listeners. So a lot of art departments and agencies, and I was at a magazine and different places like that, you were all in the same room hanging out together and tossing ideas around or, co- or collaborating or asking somebody to look at something, or, but you're all in one room. So I think because I sort of grew up in business that way, um, I kind of wanted to explore that. And as I mentioned, I, fe- I felt that her skill set was a great complement to mine and that together we would be stronger than we would as singular pursuance. Yeah. And I had actually approached someone else about it and I thought that's what we were going to do. Actually, there was someone before her and um, he was all like, yes, 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 let's do this. And then it didn't really work out that way. So I think I was just in that space of like looking for a fit for myself. Um, she and I worked at Women's Day magazine, as I mentioned, and we had figured out a way to take a job that took five people a month to do. And we figured out a system so three people could do it in five days. So it freed up three weeks out of my month. So I was able to pursue something else. And that's this was the something else. And then as things went forward, we just found out that um, one of the things I found out, which I had no idea, this was another misconception. I did not know that I was actually pretty darn good at business. I thought that I was terrible at business. And I had no affinity for it. And I needed somebody who was more business minded. But it turned out that I was actually and am actually quite good at business. And one of our um, challenges was we were not agreeing on the actual business model, the kind of clients to pursue, the kind of margins we should expect, what we should be charging for our services. So we were very deeply divided on these topics and it was just really challenging to resolve. And eventually I ended up leaving as a result. Yeah. Um, Thank you so much for sharing that. It was, it's, it's interesting. It's great. I always am curious to know why people start businesses and with, with someone else. And I'm very much against it as an accountant um, because I've seen too many businesses broke up. Um. <laughs> well, it's funny that you say that because one of our first big, big, big challenges, and this is, it was uh, around an accountant. She wanted to hire a particular accountant and I just did not get a good vibe from this guy at all. Um, and, but I couldn't really speak any further than that about it. He had been her accountant for a while. She wanted this guy. And one of the reasons that, again, that we broke up was because when I would bring an objection forward, she would just kind of bully me into moving in her direction. I would just be like, oh, finally, just you do you. So um, we ended up hiring this guy. And our first year, we worked our tushies off and we built out, this was in the 80s, we built out a half a million dollars that first year, just between the two of us, which was, it took quite a lot for us to 
to rank out, you know, and crank out six, six figure, solid six figure business. And he had made a, an accounting mistake that cost us all of our profit margin. So when we went into the next year, we were actually at a deficit because of this guy and we had to get rid of him and it was a whole thing. And, and that was sort of, um, I guess it was a little bit of a taste of things to come because we just did not see <laughs> eye to eye on some things. Yeah. So yeah everything's very important. And it's funny that you would say that as an accountant, because I think we actually had the material, the uh, on paper, we were a great match, but from a personality place, her personality was much stronger than mine. I am not confrontational. I like to collaborate. I don't want to spend my life fighting. Uh, I was in a difficult relationship in my marriage at the time. So I was having heartache at home. And now I'm coming into the office and we are bucking up against each other. And I literally did not have the emotional bandwidth to do both. So one had to go. Turned out they both ended up going. But that's what that's. Yeah. So that's a that's a very good point. It can be a beautiful synergy when it works. Yeah, um, I actually personally don't know any active partnerships. And by active partnerships, um, technically, there are partnerships that I service as an accountant, and um, but they're not the partnership in a way that you think of a partnership. When I think of a partnership, it means two or more active people who run the business. When you have one partner who runs the business and two more who are more investors, that's not really a partnership. It's a partnership on paper, but it's not really a partnership. Um, and all of the former ones um, that I've ever seen, ever worked on, have always broken up. And sometimes it would, would have been or was a really ugly breakup. So mm. very much against it. Of <laughs> funny. Yeah, uh, but uh, I work with one partnership now that seems to be working well. We'll see how things develop. Mm -hmm. They do different things, and hopefully um, I can support them in staying together um, as long as, as it makes sense. I just think one of my clients put it nicely. He said, partnership is like marriage just without the benefits. So <laughs> uh, I, th I totally agree with that. It is and it isn't. I mean, I think that if you have a great partner, yeah, you know, it's funny because I have I have clients that, of course, are both scenarios. And I think if you have the right partner, they have their own wheelhouse. Uh, like what we ended up doing in that relationship was I was much more client facing. I was more the creative. She was dealing with our vendors that would then print or manifest whatever it was we were producing. She would go on site to the printers. So we were able to, that's why we were able to do such a large quantity of business because we were both very focused on particular activities. So in that relationship, it was great. I mean, right now and for a long time, I find myself looking for someone like her to delegate these tasks to because here I am, you know, a couple decades later and I'm, they're still not my strengths. That's pretty funny. Um, I guess. I, I, I just think that financial part is something that should never be delegated. And if, if you have a partnership, those things should be agreed upon and known by both partners equally. Again, that comes from experience of watching clients Absolutely. go through different hurdles. And so um, I won't change my mind on that. However, um, a great like I said, I work with one partnership that's really great, but 
um, and they agree on on things and they discuss them and they're fair to each other and things like that. So um, there is room for that. It's just I think that more often than not, people start businesses with part with a partner or partners because they're afraid to do it on their own. And that's when my alarm goes off and I usually advise them to really think three times before they jump into to that with somebody. Yeah. And if you do have a partner and because again, I do work with, with both scenarios, I do find it really helpful. If you do have a coach consultant kind of person on your, I call it a success team, like who's on your success team. And if that's one of those elements, then you have a forum to navigate as, as you have a confidant, you have somebody to peel some of the parts apart and to distance yourself from what you think from, you know, it's like, the yours, mine, and the truth kind of situation because we all have our points of view and we come in with all this baggage and stuff from the past, right? (laughs) Absolutely. Um, I actually just was talking to my coach a couple of weeks or months ago. I think that um, maybe sometimes instead of a partner, you really need a coach who is somebody that you talk to. Someone yeah. who listens, who pays attention, who's focused, and whose job it is to really open your own resources in, in some things. Yeah. And not only that, but a coach is going to help you organize your thoughts, right? Where a partner is usually listening from the either what's in it for me or what's wrong with me. So they're personalizing all of this feedback, all of this information, but a coach isn't personalizing it. They are merely a stand for your success, merely, not so merely, right? And so as a stand for your success, I'm going to request that we lean into the curiosity of what's occurring rather than judging what's occurring. When you take judgment and ego out of it, it's a very different conversation. And rarely can you actually have that with a partner because there's always that already listening, right, of who yeah. you think they are rather than who we are all becoming. Very different. Yeah, love it. Um, love it. So um, I know that you've kind of touched upon this uh, as you were talking, but if you could um, reiterate just a little bit, when working with you, when someone is working with you now, with your company, with your business, Where do they start and what is the transformation that they experience? Hmm. Okay, so where do we start? Okay, so we start with where they are, that that piece about assessing. So the assessing is extremely important. Um, I will initially do a diagnostic. So I'll ask a bunch of questions that I've asked a zillion other people. So my ability to filter and understand your responses is greatly heightened because this is where I'm immersed, right? And then um, through that assessment, I will share, and then so that, that'll be a diagnostic. And then through that diagnostic, the next step will be for you to do a deeper assessment regarding key questions and key metrics. Because my promise to my clients is that we, we look at two to five Xing your business. That's kind of my sweet spot. And sometimes what we find through that diagnostic is, you know, as excited they may be to double their revenue, is they're not set up for that to occur. So for instance, you know, I may have, I remember when I first moved, this is when I was still being a graphic designer. I know the influence of my work. So I said, listen, they had just won an award and they wanted to be like sort of set themselves up for their next phase of growth. 
And I said, well, your next phase of growth would be to be there. You know, they made like widgets. It wasn't widgets, but you know what I mean? They made a thing. Um, it wasn't a service. It was a thing. And they were making like 30 things a month. It's a big thing. And I said, so are you ready to uh, double that output? Like if that's what we needed to do. And he looked at me like, oh, crap. And said, um, no, we're not ready for that at all. So I said, so while you work on those systems, because they would need more people, they would need a different assembly line, like there was a big impact in doubling their output. I'm going to look at how to how to make that happen so that we can get enough eyeballs and enough interest so that when you are ready to ramp up production, we can meet that. And that's exactly what happened. That's yeah. awesome. So that's really it. important. So it's one thing to say, yippee, I want, there's two responses. One is, yes, I want that. And then the next phase is like, oh no, does that mean I'm going to have to work twice as hard to double my revenue? And no, the whole point is we're going to set it up so that Will you still have to work? Of course, this is called a business and we are still going to work, but it's going to be so much more aligned. It's going to be so much more joyful for you. You're going to, one of the things that we do as we work together is we increase your capacity to hold a larger container so that who you are as a business owner at, you know, 750, 800K a year and who you're going to be at 2 million gross is a very different person. And then who are you going to be at 6 million as you're looking to exit, you know, or whatever that phase is. So who you are as a human, as a leader, as a team leader, all of that's all going to shift. But what does that mean? What does that look like? So we actually inquire into all of that and build structures to support that. Awesome. I love that. So talk a little bit about your book. Oh, well, I had two books. The first one was written quite a while ago. Um, they're both compilation books, which I really enjoy. The first one is really tiny. It's called The Guide to Getting at Branding and Marketing Mastery. And it's a, like a little tiny marketing workshop in a book. It's very cool. So there's a lot of like how to implement, how to inquire, how to build out your systems. It's cool. And then the one I just wrote that went international bestseller uh, I think we launched it in February, so it's been a very, it's been interesting. Uh, I think that's I don't even know when we I'm so does time collapse for you because I don't know what day it is. So um, it was last year, and um, it's really fabulous. It's a number of people sharing what their entrepreneurial journey was like. It's by a company called Ignite publishing. And she has put out, I think she's up to 17 bestsellers. Um, please look into it. It's fabulous. But mine was all around being an entrepreneur. And I tell the story of when my ex-partner and I got together and we were sitting around one of our first really big meetings with like the VP of marketing for like Clairol or some big company. And I had this aha moment because when I was a kid, I never fit in. I told you I had a very dark childhood. I was always this outsider. And I had this moment where I realized, oh my gosh, all of that stuff that happened to me, now I'm teaching other people the value of being different when it's been agonizing for me to be different for so much of my life. Now I am so glad and proud to be different to not be like everyone else. 
And that's actually mostly what I do in at work is to how do we embrace who we are rather than aspire to someone that we are not? And then how do you weave that into your business and monetize it? Fun. Yeah. Totally. I totally love it. I mean, it, it sounds awesome. That's really um, very much aligned with what I believe in. Mm-hmm. Um, and because I believe in the fact that business is personal, whatever we do in business translates to our personal life and yeah. vice versa. And so, yes, yes. Oh, yes. One of my biggest totally. isms, I call them Judy isms, <laughs> is um, that I believe that your business is your number one opportunity for full self-expression as an adult. Like you're yeah. doing this all day, every day. So how are you being fully expressed at work? Because where else are you going to, you know, unless you're a weekend warrior kind of person or you're working a half day and the other part of the day you're out there doing you, you know, it's really about how do we infuse our you meekness into our work life? Yeah. Yeah. Thanks so much for sharing, for sharing this um, with me today. And um, as we wrap up, could you talk a little bit about how people can connect with you and where they can find you and work with you? Yeah. So I have a website called unforgettablebrands.com, two T's, one S. So there's all sorts of info on there. I guess you'll have it. But then I'm on multiple platforms, of course. I'm on LinkedIn and I'm most active on Facebook and Insta. Um, but I am also on LinkedIn and I don't really pay attention too much to Twitter I'm not a TikTok person as yet. And uh, yeah, so that's where I am. And you can always reach out to me I'm, yeah, any, at, any, on any platform and any DM and wherever. Awesome. Thanks. Thanks so much for, for agreeing to come on the show. And thanks so much for sharing uh, this very cool and um, gentle story. Uh, I really, I really enjoyed it. And um, um all of the information or your websites and your social media will be posted under this video if you're watching it on YouTube or um, uh, in the show notes to the podcast if you're listening on audio. Judy, thanks so much for being a part of this show. Thank you for having me. It's been a pleasure. It's great to meet you. Awesome. Thanks. All right, everybody. I'll see you next week.